So there's this saying that I heard once, and it goes something like, the one thing all good ideas have in common are bad first drafts. That might not be exactly it, or there's probably various iterations of it, but I think you get the idea. I think the same principle is true in audio. I mean, beyond just rewriting a script, if you have one, audio editors are kind of like your proofreaders. It hinges partially on the why. If it's meant to be a business person's new business card, then they're going to promote it in different and share it and do all those kinds of things in different spaces than an independent podcaster that has like a new audio drama. And they're trying to just build the, the fan base to have that kind of reciprocal creative loop. Next, you'll hear from a professional editor about what good editing can do for podcasts. My name is Stuart, and this is Audience, a Castos original series. So in this episode, you'll hear about what goes into making a great podcast from the editor's point of view. And speaking as an editor, our jobs are a lot more than just cutting out filler words, obvious mistakes, and parts the client doesn't want in. There's also more abstract principles like uncovering the why. And at Castos, you can start a subscription podcast that helps support your why. Create audio for your subscribers that want to support you as a creator and get more from you and your brand. You'll hear some mention of Descript in this episode, which integrates into Castos, and it's a really good way to edit and publish your subscription podcast directly to Castos. Also, through our integration with Stripe, you can set the price of your premium subscription and people can purchase it, just like Patreon, but with less fees. Learn more about subscription podcasts at castos.com or click on the link in the show notes. Take the last part of the interview and put it in the beginning. Because after people are warmed up, the really fun stuff starts coming out. Whether it's an interview or a panel or even a solo episode, we need time to get going with our thoughts and our words. And inevitably, for the vast majority of folks, the end of an episode is always better and more concise and more fun and more interesting and more everything at the end than the beginning. That's Stephanie Fuccio, a multi-passionate creative who produces her own podcasts, writes about podcasting, and runs the Global Podcast Editors community. If you're not familiar with it, it hosts live Global Podcast Editor chats on YouTube twice a month and an information-packed newsletter on Substack as well. She and Matt recently caught up to talk some shop. Title-wise, the head of Global Podcast Editors... CEO, uh, Chief Operating Officer. What is it? What's the hmm. title? Global Podcast Editors is the podcast editing community that I run. So I just say I run it because that's not the business aspect of what I do, but it's, yeah, it's the community aspect. I've listened to a bunch of episodes. At one oh, point, you. was it called Simple Podcast Editing Turn Podcast Editing Plus Turn Global Podcast Editors? Oh, it could be. I tend to experiment on so many levels, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, they could have been. And especially when like, we started the current round of global podcast editors on YouTube uh, during National Podcast Posting Month, November of last year. So we're about to hit our year. But a few months before that, I actually did a round, like a panel, video panel of uh, female podcast editors in April of last year. So we've we've got kind of two start dates, but... And it has changed and morphed as creative projects do over the time. And now the current name 
as global podcast editors. <laughs> Has the goal changed at all since you first started it? Mm -hmm. And what came first? Were you editing podcasts first or did you start the move like for clients or did you start the movement first and then became? Oh, it, yeah. The I was editing for clients first for a couple of years and I was sick of the isolation and I love talking to editors online, but I wanted more than just like forums and and text messages on there. I wanted to talk, talk to them. And I realized that when I talked to them, there was like a, a symbiotic happiness that happened. So I was like, what if we all talk to each other and other people can watch? And, you know, I love video. And so we started out doing that. And at first we were just talking about whatever came up. And then I was trying to do the Austin Cleon thing of show your work. And I was like, let's just talk about the cool projects we're working on. And I noticed that people really started to latch onto when we talked about our challenges. And that's where we've been sitting for months now is we literally go around, the four of us go around and talk about the biggest challenge we're having. And we give each other like advice and suggestions and share our stories. And that's, that's where we're sitting right now. It's, it's interesting to me because I, my personal life and my, where I come from my personal podcast is from mm -hmm. a piece of software called WordPress. I'm really mm -hmm. uh, as deeply rooted in WordPress as probably you are in uh, podcasting and, and the podcast editing experience. And that's something I see all the time. Like I see developers coming together, they're geeking mm -hmm. out about write, writing code and doing things that are like blows my mind, mm -hmm. sit back in awe. And it's just like a, a thing that humans want is to get together, talk about their craft, maybe mm -hmm. talk about this trade and then share these experiences. It, how have you gotten better because of this community? I don't know, because I do quite a few different things in podcasting. So I'm not quite sure what's impacting what. But as far as bolstered my confidence in podcast editing, maybe that's impacted my business. But definitely seeing the possibilities within podcast editing and how much you can do with every level of skill that you have as a podcast editor is, I think, absolutely amazing. Um, you can come in with a few hours of training and as long as you're uh, super transparent with the people that are your clients, the podcasters that are your clients, you can start and basically earn as you learn and double check a trillion times, QCing and all that. But, but it, it, there's just so much, such a giant range of potential. And I think that's given me the confidence to to go out and, you know, talk more about it, to, you know, talk to clients that I normally would have been like, oh, I don't know, I think they're above my my abilities or stuff like that. And so I think it's increased my confidence, which has probably increased my business. I don't know. I'm going to name two pieces of software, but hold mm -hmm. that thought. I'm going to say Descript, Adobe Audition. Now hold that thought. Unpack the, that phrase, learn as you earn and being transparent with your customers because i feel like for maybe like you and i somebody steps into the room and say i want to make a great podcast and like every piece of advice everything you know comes out of your head it's like writing research audio uh, sound design like all this stuff original music <laughs> like we haven't even got to the show yet but then some people are like i can you just cut this audio out for me and just send it back to me <laughs> and we have tools in the space that kind of align with those expectations mm -hmm. as well, though they are kind of crossing over to one another. But let's just talk about being honest with your customer mm -hmm. with what you can turn around uh, as a podcast editor. Like what's a fair thing that somebody should be confident in saying that they can do for somebody, even if they feel like it's the low end of the budget range. When I started, I had three years under my belt of editing my own podcast. And I mostly, to be quite honest, I did interview podcasts and I mostly cut stuff out. 
I would add an intro and and, an outro to it, but I didn't do music under beds very well. So I stopped trying them. I mean, this is years ago now, but you know, so I just, when people started to approach me saying, Hey, back in early 2020, when everybody started a podcast because they were home bored, I've said, okay, well, this is what I can do. It, It was just instinctual to me to say, yeah, I'd like to, but is this what you want? I think that's why there's such a comfy space for podcast managers as well, because they get to kind of shape the whole experience, like manage the whole experience. And that is not something I do, by the way. I don't do launches <laughs> for that very reason. Of I, I like decisive and I like people who know the pain of editing and then they go, okay, I need help. And usually then it's, I can do the job instead of there being the, the complexity of those decisions. It's not really a comfortable space for me. I think most people listening to this can relate to hiring somebody to build a website for them. And you might find somebody to build a website for you who's like freelancer and they have different levels of abilities than let's say a boutique agency, Mm -hmm. but then like the full service agency, you know, you might, you might have to come to them with a a, a minimum ad spend. Like, Hey, we'll build the website for you, but you also have to advertise because you have to launch this website too. So you're naturally, you're going to have to advertise it Mm -hmm. in the small business person. Like, Whoa, I just, I just wanted a website, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that same thing relates to a podcast where there's some folks who are like, Hey, I just want a a podcast. But then there's that whole thing that happens after you hit publish marketing, promote, well, marketing Mm -hmm. probably should have started before, but promotion, outreach, engagement, like all of these uh, surveying, like bringing that data back in. Talk to me about why you don't want to touch the launch of a podcast. What, what makes you sort of clean your hands after you're done with the edit or hand it off to somebody else to launch or partner mm-hmm. with that you don't want to do? It's me as a podcaster. I am the kind of podcaster that came to the medium with a fire and a message. And I wanted, a fire sounds so destructive. Sorry. Uh, I had something I wanted to say. And for me, getting it out was more important than the super amazing audio quality, which you can clearly hear in my early <laughs> episodes was not an issue. Um, so for me... I, I don't, I don't relate. I don't feel like I'm empathetic and patient enough with people who want to start and them having a decision. Because for me, if your message not strong enough, I don't know how to help you. I can help people do things if they know, if they know what they want, they know what they want the podcast to be. Is it their new business card or are they building community or are they doing a public service? Like are, what are, what are those goals? And if those goals are murky, then every single decision in the launch is going to be murky. And I'm just not that patient mm. because for me, it's, it's, it needs to be a strong podcast. Why? So yeah. that's just a personal decision that I yeah. made early on. Yeah. And, I mean, it, and it also makes sense, you know, business wise, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to hang around doing like the marketing, the social stuff um, because you know, it's, it's hard to find that alignment with every single customer. Does every single customer have a budget for this kind of thing, mm-hmm. the wherewithal or, um, and what, what their goals are. Podcasts can launch with, Hey, we just want to do brand awareness. Perfect. Are you ready for like three years <laughs> of investing <laughs> in hitting publish, right? Like, great. So it's a fan, right. It's a fantastic goal, but mm-hmm. don't, don't look at, as, at us as the podcast editors, mm-hmm. maybe even the podcast managers to reach this goal of brand awareness, but we'll certainly mm-hmm. help you just be ready for a long ride. And that's an accident, but that's that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because those conversations about like budget, like how are you going to pay for the podcast editing? Like that's not cheap. Where, where is it coming? Is it coming out of your marketing budget, which is probably the most organic place it should be? Or like, how is this going to be funded? And what are you expecting as a return on investment? And what are you doing afterwards to market it so that people 
and market it is so the wrong term, but to make sure that it gets into the right ears. Like mm. these are really important things that I never asked at the beginning because I didn't. For me, I was so much already on socials and doing different things in my communities to get my own podcast out that I figured if they just wanted editing, they already had those tentacles out into the world doing those things. They just wanted to add podcasting to that. And I didn't realize that a lot of a lot of folks didn't. Yeah. I've been cozying up to, as a lifelong salesperson, I've been, <laughs> I get away from saying the word sales and promotion. I'm kind of coming back to promotion and, and mm -hmm. being more comfortable with it these days because it's it's something that you have to do. And, it, and mm -hmm. for me anyway, it covers the bases because marketing should have started, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're planning your show, right. marketing should have started a while ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so should, way before been, the recording. Yeah, yeah, way before the recording. Um, so now I, I feel a little bit more comfortable saying, hey, like show promotion. And, and it doesn't have to be like, every, I think maybe people think it's going to be standing on the corner with like a QR code. Hey, that might work. But, you know, there's other there's other methods. Thinking back to your own podcast when you first started, started it to where you are today, I want to sort of transition into growth and growing a podcast because that's like the next thing that's on everyone's mind. At least mm -hmm. I hear it at Castos all the time. How do we grow our show? Uh, we just said it takes time for some of this stuff three plus years, 10 years for me, probably longer with you when you start adding up all your stuff. What have you done effectively to grow your podcast? Or at least what advice maybe do you hand out these days? It hinges partially on the why, right? Because I mean, if it's meant to be a business person's new business card, then they're going to promote it in different and share it and do all those kinds of things in different spaces than an independent podcaster that has like a new audio drama. And they're trying to just build the the fan base to have that kind of reciprocal creative loop. So those are very, very different things. So trying to get into that headspace first of why is it out in the world and what do you want to do with it? And then drilling down from there. So there's that's the thing. I feel like in podcasting, the phrase it depends is the t-shirt that everybody needs to wear. <laughs> so it's just yeah. like there's so many, like I keep seeing these long lists of these are the things you can do to uh to promote your podcast and lauren Passell's like a hundred different marketing right. things you can do for your podcast like for me right now i'm like leaning heavily into newsletters because i'm so sick of the speed of social media i'm so mm. sick of the algorithms changing and me not seeing the people i've hit follow on <laughs> it's very frustrating so i'm trying to get the people that i want in my community to follow me in a space where they can find me and where I'm being pushed to them once a week. Yeah. So I'm leaning into that, but that's not everybody's thing. A lot of people don't like to write, so they need to yeah. find the space that works for them and lean into that, focus on that and do the time for that to work and, and talk with people, not just send information at them. Yeah. TikTok is probably the antithesis to, mm -hmm. uh, uh, podcast curated podcast newsletters right because <laughs> that, like that in that experience what mm -hmm. you're hoping for is you're hoping for as uh the podcaster or the creator who's like you use substack for uh global mm -hmm. podcast editors as an example i think lauren does as well i think she also mm -hmm. uses substack you're hoping that people are going to get onto this news and they're going to when it comes to the inbox they want it like this is mm -hmm. something i want i want to sit down i want to read it i'm gonna i'm gonna start it as i do i'm gonna start it i'm gonna when i get i'm gonna when i am ready to read this, I'm going to read this thing, right? Because I want to enjoy every single line. I don't want to just look at it during, during my Monday morning email scan. So that's what you're hoping as a creator. You're hoping people accept this stuff, 
really engage with it and, and love it versus the TikTok. You're just like, man, just keep going through and hitting those. I don't even know. I just, I've never used TikTok. Right? So I, like, what do you what do you do? Hit a star, hit a thumbs. I don't know what you do. I don't just, know. I, I, I didn't. I tried it for a week, like a year ago, and I didn't like it. So I didn't I didn't really like it. But I, I, I disagree with you on some level. Because if you have a monstrous newsletter, like the, the global podcast editors one is, you have to lean into like titles, subtitles, those kinds mm. of and visuals to break things up. And I feel like that's unless you're doing literally just like a short announcement, like timestamps to an episode and then like one call to action, unless it's that short, you have to have those those like uh, breaks or notes or different sections because nobody... I, I subscribe to so many newsletters that I love, and even my favorite ones, I do not read every word. Mm. Scanning, titles, like bolding, those things matter. We're, yep. even though newsletters are pushed to us, however often they come, we still are very impatient people, I think, as readers. <laughs> and I think it really, I think we really have to lean into people not reading every word. And I assume, even on short emails, or short newsletters issues that people will not read them. I think the one of the big differences, the mental energy to consume those two things ex is extremely different. Mm. I think newsletters in general are leaning more towards deeper, thinky kind of like pause and let's go through this together kind of thing. Whereas TikTok is more fun and like woohoohoo, like showy kind of thing. So I think they're a very different emotional and mental investment. Yeah. Yeah. You're waiting in the line of like the grocery store to check out and you're like zipping through TikTok yeah. and you're just like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is cool. But, but if I'm reading a newsletter, like I'm probably yeah. more apt to be at least sitting down at a desk with a cup of coffee or something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about editing uh, the podcast. What makes mm -hmm. a great podcast? My dirty secret uh, is speaking of tools, going back to the tools thing. I like to, this is for me. Mm -hmm. I like to start with Descript and take out all the stuff, like all the filler words, not just the filler words, but all of the filler content that I am so, I don't know, I just do all the time. Like I'm doing it right now. All of this would be removed, right, from, <laughs> from the podcast. And that's how I, I start my podcast edit. I send it off. I happen to like Hindenburg. That's what I use. Yeah, um, me too. And I know others, you know, use other, a bunch of other tools. But editing a podcast, so many folks just get stuck with the direct-to-tape. I'm going to hit record in Zoom, oh mm -hmm. my God, and, and ship this 45 minutes of pure, just mm -hmm. touch-nothing audio out into the cloud. And that's how everyone gets started. Hooray, everybody, for getting started, number one. Mm -hmm. But number two, all of this content, we just talked about it. Newsletters, TikToks, YouTubes, podcasts, mm -hmm. you got to edit it down, make it a little bit tighter, make it a little bit better. That's my opinion. What goes into a great show for you as a podcast editor? It's such a varied answer. But I, it, what the person is able to do, because for me, despite the fact that I do like to clean things up in a different method that you just described, but I do obsessively try to clean things up as much as possible, both content and sound wise, I do, I would prefer if somebody didn't have the time to edit, that they at least got their, what they needed to say out into the world. And if they weren't particularly good at editing, at least if they tried to get some stuff and, you know, and do something, then I'd prefer that to them not be, not existing in our ears. So I, I, I do struggle with that one where as long as we can hear them, I want them to be producing their stuff. Now in an ideal world, not only would 
the audio be, you know, polished for content and and sound, but I really want them to have that narrative arc. I want them to massage it in a way where they're not giving everything away in the teaser in the beginning, where they're actually kind of taking us on this emotional journey through whatever they're talking about, unless it's straightly informational and newsworthy, because that's a slightly different arc. But I want them to be more conscious on how things are happening. Even if it's in an interview, you can move stuff around and the listeners will not know. That is the advantage of audio to video. That is really hard to do in video with all the jump cut. But in audio, you can change so much and people won't know. You can take out stuff and they won't know. In my early days of podcasting, and maybe you did the same, uh, and I think this is what you're you're hinting at it, at the start of an episode, it's always been like, and here's what we're going to talk to Stephanie today. We're going to talk about global podcast editors. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about podcast editing. We're going to talk about podcast monetization. We're going to talk about her life as, as an expat. We're going to just, like, just list off a thousand <laughs> things that we're going to talk. And I did that, maybe not to that degree, but I did that a lot in my early days of podcasting. It was just like instantly you have like 10, 15 seconds of somebody just going, nope, not the episode for me. But it could have been the episode for them had they made it had they made it through, had I maybe led them into a better whatever premise for the show or led them into a topic that they really, I just teased them with that they really wanted to get into. Is there anything else that you think the amateur podcaster does that's an easy fix for their show? Yeah. As far as moving stuff around, take the last part of the interview and put it in the beginning. Because after people are warmed up, the really fun stuff starts coming out. Whether it's an interview or a panel or even a solo episode, we need time to get going with our thoughts and our words. And inevitably, for the vast majority of folks, the end of an episode is always better and more concise and more fun and more interesting and more everything at the end than the beginning. I'm not saying put the intro at the end, but just, you know, (laughs) some of the content at the end can really go towards the beginning and possibly even replace some of those initial questions because we tend to cover stuff more as time goes on. Do you think that's because there's a lack of, well, with a volume of podcasts that are being Mm -hmm. shipped with so many people jumping into the podcasting game that there's not a lot of, let's say, pre-interview or Mm -hmm. planning done for every episode? Oh, that's a sign of not doing a lot of research Um, and not being invested in that person being on the show, which is kind of gross for me because I I tend to like do research for people before I even invite them. But I have the luxury of time to do that. Maybe some folks don't, but mm, but yeah, no, I'm going to get judgy on that one. I think you should know your guest before you hit record. And if you don't do a pre-interview in a separate session, you should have a few minutes to warm up with them beforehand if nothing else. I mean, these yeah. are these listeners are giving you their ears. They're giving you their time. They they deserve there to be some sort of genuine reason why that person is there and what your connection to them is. Yeah. When when you've seen your uh customers come to you in your podcast editing, do they ever ask you about well you mentioned before like, "Hey, let's create a great sort of story arc or this narrative around every episode." Do they ever ask you, can you do that for me? <laughs> like, can you help me with that? And, and how do you solve that? Because that's one I'd always just, I just have no, I like, oh man, it, this is tough. This is the hard part of, of podcasting. And yeah, like, and I'm just, I'll say this one last thing and then I'll give you, give you the microphone again. The Ambies 
recently opened up a new category. I think it's mm -hmm. called DIY. It's like the DIY podcast category, but the max budget mm -hmm. is $3,000 per episode. What? Per episode. How is <laughs> so that DIY? You, exactly. So if you're if you're just doing a weekly <gasps> show, that's like a tw that's a hundred grand a year plus, right? That what? you're devoted to a like yeah. ninety eight percent of these people out here are don't even ha they're not doing mm. that. <laughs> so so you know it just takes a lot of work to create yeah. that story to create that narrative. How, how do you help your customers? Do they ever ask you, please God help me? How do you solve it? <laughs> um, they don't. I haven't had anybody let me completely rearrange their episodes yet. Uh, it is a higher price point because of the time intensity of it. And honestly, the back and forth, it probably needs to go on for that. Uh, also, a lot of my clients are more business-y and they have shorter episodes. So it it's, it, uh, I don't know. And if I'm completely honest with you, and I was like this when I first started my own podcast too, it feels like there's a sacredness to having an interview with someone where if you rearrange or like something they said or take out something they said that you're, they're, they're going to notice and that mm. it's going to be terrible and they're going to be very angry with you and things are going to go horribly wrong. And honestly, guests don't remember. And as long as they make them sound good, they'll be happy. So, yeah. but I think, I think there's a, with interviews, I think there's a tendency to not think of it in a creative way. And I think people are hesitant to touch it or to ask others to touch it. Cause they're just like, that's how it was. That's how we have to represent it. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, guests, Guests are a tricky thing. Let's talk about guests mm -hmm. for a second. Guests on a podcast, and you know, don't get worried. I, I won't be watching your Twitter stream when this one goes live. But <laughs> when uh, <laughs> what what's your reaction to like guests sharing this time? Because I feel like there's also on one hand we have a ton of podcasters coming mm -hmm. into the space. They're thinking, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow my brand exponentially through a podcast. Or I'm gonna get rich podcasting. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we also have like guests on the other side who. Someone somewhere, probably a marketing person who ruins everything, saw that <laughs> you, hey, you can get your name out there if you just join some podcasts and just be a guest on podcasts. We especially mm -hmm. see this in the business space. And then we just get these rash of like outbound messages. Mm -hmm. Hey, just get my CEO on your podcast and da, da, da. And then they never share it. You know, they don't, they don't even know what they're showing up for. There's no question here. Do you have a soapbox moment about guests and guest etiquette <laughs> that one might, <laughs> might have that they should uh, incorporate as being a guest? I lean in a few different directions on this. I do think that the guest job is to be there and to be themselves. And I think it's the host's job to figure out literally everything else. If the guest shares it, that's awesome. But you can actually share on a guest's socials without the guest sharing it. Like you can you can tag them, you can hashtag, you can do all kinds of things that'll be on their social media that their people can see that they don't need to be a part of. But also the times that things have been shared for my own projects have been times when there has been that connection during the recording. And then when I say, hey, it's out, here's the link if you want to share it, it tends to get shared more that way. Whereas the the ones that didn't go so well, I kind of get it because there wasn't really that human connection that really went off that well. So mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the guest's responsibility, especially if you're talking about really hard to reach folks or celebrities or things like that. They're super busy. Oh, most people say that when they have a big guest on their podcast, if they get a spike, those people don't stay because they were there for that person. 
and they're not necessarily there for that content. So why would mm. they stick around for the content? So it, I don't know. I feel like yeah. we keep reaching for experts and then we don't know what to do once we get them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I see the question come across my desk a lot at Castos of how do we get on like new and noteworthy mm -hmm. on Apple or whatever the heck Spotify calls it. I'm not sure what they call it. Um, and now, of course, with YouTube coming with podcast, their podcast mm -hmm. landing page, which is literally <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. calling it. The YouTube landing page oh, yeah. podcast landing because all it is. That's but people ask that question. And, but it's like, why? Like wh if you got on new and new and noteworthy, like do you think that's going to change change the trajectory of your podcast like overnight i'm sure it's a nice little bump <laughs> but i don't like i never go to that page i don't no. uh but that's just me I, and i don't know like people reach for these things that aren't really that that I great know. and when i ask when people say you know i really want to be you know in the apple charts and i'm like tell me the last time you went to an apple chart to discover a new podcast and they're like what what I, I, I've never done that. And I'm like, exactly. Like, I yeah. think we just get it in our heads. Like we hear one person say, I, I was on Apple charts and woo, my, my podcast took off and now I quit my full-time job. And that one person does not represent the vast majority of what's going on. I want to touch on podcast monetization a little bit. Of course, podcast movement just ended. I'm forgetting mm -hmm. the one that was just before that. Sounds profitable, covers a lot of this stuff in the space. Uh, mm -hmm. DAI just the hot topic these days, mm -hmm. dynamic ad insertion. How have you seen or have you seen or what's your take on ads and podcasts? As a podcast editor, do you find your like, do you find customers who are sending you ads? Or are they telling you, hey, at this moment, I'm going to be injecting this DAI or I give it up to the algorithms, let the algorithms figure it out. How has it changed your craft over the last couple of years? Um, it's made it easier because now all I have to do is leave those spaces for the DAI to go in as opposed to putting them in there and changing them out every week to a different ad from a different sponsor. So, um, but that's because the, the clients I have, they have, they've gotten their own sponsors. And so they're putting those in during the weeks that they've agreed on. I haven't had any clients who just kind of opened it up for anybody to sponsor on their podcast and, I'm kind of glad because I did that for a little while for my own podcast and I was not pleased with some of the ads that were on there. Um, there was a, a limited way to unselect the ones I didn't want. And there was all kinds of fast food and things that I don't really agree with on there. And I'm like, that's okay. I don't need that money. Get Take those off. And I took it off immediately. I tend to use them more for announcements and to sell my own stuff in my own mm. podcasts. What's the hardest craziest audio you ever had to edit did somebody leave their microphone on when they went to the bathroom did they leave the microphone on and their kids screaming in the back what's been the hardest most difficult podcast you've had to edit if you have one i do of course i do um <laughs> i i taught in china for a few years and one of my dear friends angela Oh gosh, she's such a wonderful person. And I was so excited. We had like left China. We were in different countries. She was, I think, back in Canada and I was somewhere, I think in Japan or something. I don't know. But I was so excited to talk to her again that and to see her her little boy who was like a year old. So so when her little boy climbed up on her lap and started playing with the books behind her and doing all of these things and like ooing and cooing and screaming. I was so focused on the conversation with her and how cute he was. It wasn't until I was editing later that I was like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can ignore him because I know how wonderful she is. And I know yeah. the conversation we were having was really great. But, oh, man, was it 
awful. <laughs> <laughs> that was difficult. Was Hindenburg even able to able up be up to the task? I wasn't even using Hindenburg oh, okay. yet. I was still on Audacity. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging times. Challenging times. <sighs> Stephanie, uh, thanks for hanging out with us today and doing the audience podcast with us. Uh, where do you want folks to go to say thanks? A certain website, Twitter handle? It's your stage. Yeah, sure. Uh, stephfuccio.com, which I always have to spell S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. Awesome stuff. Everybody else, audience podcast, audiencepodcast.fm. Hey there, listener. It's Matt. Before you go, I want to offer you, the aspiring podcaster, two special items. Number one, if you haven't started a podcast yet or you want to find a better podcast hosting company, start here at Castos. Use our coupon code AUDIENCE20, that's AUDIENCE20, when you sign up for a new account at castos.com. Start a podcast like the one you just heard or about gluten-free muffins, whatever it is, will help you get your podcast out into the world. Number two, did you know that our Academy is free? Enroll today for free at academy.castos.com. Get access to our courses, videos, and templates all for free. Thanks for listening to the audience podcast today. We hope we're helping you become a better podcaster. All that's left for you to do is share this episode on social media. Bye for now.